Does everybody know what time it is? Time to slowly apply your foot to the brake and come to a stop at the stop sign. Brake, 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 brake. Good. Safety first. It's grunt work. I take, I take it on the road. Those kilometers and red lights, I was always grunting left and right. Oh, but I'm always crashing in the same car. Because I keep distracting myself by making grunt work, the only podcast about the TV series Home Improvement that has a host who didn't pass his driver's test on the first try. Mm. I'm your host, Truman, the Fender Bender Man Caps, and with me as always is my co-host Landon, the Accidentes Man Solano. (laughs) Now, Landon, Yes. First question. Yes. Did you pass your driver's test on the first go around? I have blocked that part out of my memory. Ooh, so because you were so incredibly I, successful that you didn't want to think about how great you were in that moment. You don't want your ego I, go away with you. I honestly don't remember if I did. Um I it was I remember getting my driver's uh, license was a very stressful um experience. Uh the so here's what I, I where my confusion is. Um, I can't remember if it was just the teacher that I had that was super stressful and that he recommended that I take the course a second time before applying for the what? actual test or if the test itself was bad and I didn't pass and they made me do it again. I think it was the former because I had this like really strict um, World War Two vet driver's ed coach that or uh, teacher that was just like the most strict stickler person you could possibly imagine um and he just stressed me out so much while i was trying to drive and that the second that i was like let out on my own to drive i was completely fine super safe uh but he he was just a bitch man i hated him what was he? Was he like having having World War Two flashbacks as soon as you hit the road? Like the <laughs> the, uh, the the sound of your turn signal reminded him of the machine guns landing on on Omaha Maybe. Beach. <laughs> Could be. I don't know, man. I he was he was not fit to be a an instructor. That's for sure. I, I feel uh, like my my biggest takeaway from the various driver's eds that I took yeah. is that. Probably 60, 70, maybe even 80% of driver's ed instructors should not be doing that. Either either they yeah. are twisted people, and that's why they chose to get into it, or they were normal, good, decent people who then, helping teenagers learn to drive, has made them into twisted people. And, um, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's rough. I know, it's rough. I know that, uh, so, like, when you go through the driver's ed training, um, there's the, like, it's split into, like, the written test and the, not the test, but, like, the learning, there's a test part and there's a, a, you know, go out on the road with an instructor part. And then there's a whole separate, you know, actual test to get your license. But this was just, you know, see how you're doing in the, the class. And I aced the the written portion, um, you know, I think with 100 yeah. percent. So, like, understanding what to do on the road wasn't the problem. The problem was driving with a literal backseat driver or passenger seat driver who is screaming at you the entire time. How can anyone be expected to do well under those circumstances? I don't know. Um, and I also remember I had a huge crush on a girl in my driver's training class named Ronnie. Oh, Ronnie, Ronnie, 
That's a good. Uh, that's a good name for a person to have a crush on, I'd say. <laughs> but was, so so was it then? Like you were trying, you were trying to like ace the uh, ace the practical exam to impress her, but because this uh, veteran got up no. in your face, you weren't able to no. pull it off. Uh, if anything, I was probably like, oh, I got to throw a few questions because she was kind of like one of the, the bad girls. Uh, oh, that sounds worse uh, coming it. out of my mouth in 2021 than it did at the time. But, you know, she was like she wore the leather jacket and she, you know, mm-hmm. had a early adapter of tattoos and like, oh, uh, I didn't want to seem like too much of a goody two shoe. <laughs> she was she was carving driver's ed sucks into her desk with a huge Bowie <laughs> knife. <laughs> she never signaled left turn. She didn't even give a fuck. <laughs> uh well did you man, pass yours uh i so i mean look i i nailed the test like the the written fine but, yeah uh, no on on my first try uh we went to a small we'd had the, the the driver's ed hack that we were told is like oh don't do it in salem where it's so busy on the streets of the big city of salem right. oregon go to albany oregon the smaller town 20 miles down the road take the test there and so i tried that i was unfamiliar with the roads i tried oh. to take a left turn across a lane of traffic that i didn't realize was there and the basic the driver's <laughs> ed instructor like you know he told me like at the next street take a left and i started to turn left and at the last second he just grabbed the wheel away from me and yelled cancel because i was i was gonna hit a car cancel. and that was cancel. and that was and then, you know, we, so he just, like, tells me, like, he tells me, okay, take us back to the, you know, t- turn here, turn here, take me back to the office. And we're just sitting there in the in the parking lot, and he just shows me on his little form. It's like, he points to the criteria for instant failure, and he points to basically the section that's like, yeah, you almost killed the instructor. Um, so, yeah, I had to take it again. At the, at the risk of bringing you really bad flashbacks to your childhood, uh... How do you feel about adapting the methodology of going down a bad riff and me just yelling, cancel? <laughs> yeah, it just, it, look, I, I feel it really will only work if we're in person and you can physically grab the microphone <laughs> away from me. It, was like, it wasn't just him yelling cancel with, with his voice rising because right, of the right. fear and the adrenaline. It was also that he... He grabbed the wheel with a vice-like grip to like keep me from turning it with my spindly sixteen-year-old arms. Oh, well, Truman, we're we're talking so much about driver's ed and driver's licenses here, and I don't think listeners even know why. Oh yeah, I I guess they don't. Well, uh, okay, so Landon. Okay, yeah. well, first first listeners, in case you've forgotten since last week, uh, this is a TV series about the podcast Home Improvement, and. Uh, <laughs> Flip it, reverse it. <laughs> I, 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 maybe I'm driving a little drunk today. Uh, <laughs> but this week we watched an episode of the TV series Home Improvement. Yeah. Landon, uh, do you want to take a uh, carefully uh, checked right turn into describing to us what happened this week on Home Improvement? Uh, Brad takes his driver's test and gets his license. <gasps> Excited for his first taste of freedom, he asks if he can take the guys out to the basketball game. However, Jill's motherly instincts kick in, and her worry occupies her for the whole evening. They, uh, those instincts, they turn out to be more than just an example of supernatural pre- precognition, uh, as Brad does end up getting into an accident. He has rear-ended another driver on Woodward Boulevard, and, Ooh. uh... For the sake of his continued freedom, he tells Tim and Jill that he ran into a pole instead. <gasps> I, I, Truman, I, 
yeah, Landon. I'm so, I'm sorry I didn't have a better thing to end on. I didn't know if there were going to be more twists to the story. I, you, you sucked me in so much, I forgot that I myself watched this episode. Landon. <laughs> do you want to guess that title? I do. What? I have a few options. Okay. One, a, cr- a crash course in honesty. Ooh, okay. I yeah, like yeah, okay, okay. Second one, Drive Bradley 3D. <laughs> You see, folks, like the, 10 the, years ago, the there 3D, was a Nicolas Cage movie. The 3D movie. sells it, yeah. Yeah, the 3D. Also, no, I think, I think, let me look that up real quick. Uh, I think that's a Brian Trenchard Smith movie. <laughs> oh, really? Okay. Also, I, I thought you were going to correct me and no, say... No, Patrick was that, I, I thought you were going to correct me and say, actually, Truman, it's uh, it's Drive Angry shot in 3D, which was the actual <laughs> title of it, because no. this is at the time of the horrible 3D transfer and other weird tidbits from... Okay, another one. Drive carefully. Boo. Okay. Uh, four. There's five total of saving the best for last. <laughs> all right. All right. Four. Drive hard. Lic- drive hard was a Brian Treasure. Drive scene. hard. No, I remember drive hard. Okay. Yeah, Not okay. to be confused with walk hard. Uh, if you if <laughs> you lose your angry. license, then you have to walk hard. And then if you if you are jaywalking, then you're walking. A- or if someone honks at you when you're jaywalking, then you're walking angry <laughs> like the guy in Midnight Cowboy. Um, I'm walking okay. here. Right, so exactly. Done. Yeah, he's walking angry. Um, <laughs> license to drive. Okay. That's fourth one. Okay. Pretty, now, fifth pretty one. straightforward. I like it. Pretty, pretty straightforward. Fifth one. I'm very proud. <laughs> the Lie Sons license. The Lie Sons license. I, I don't know if listeners could hear that. <laughs> My See, forehead, my forehead just fell into the microphone. <laughs> See, folks, I was saying recently that oh, the benefit of us, like of me having some extra time to come up with these titles, means I can come up with some better ones. This title, which may be the best one I've ever thought of, I came up with in like five minutes. So I just oh, sometimes my God. lightning strikes fast; other times it takes all afternoon, <clears throat> um, uh, and sometimes it's uh, not lightning, but a pitter patter of sprinkling rain. And the rain is actually uh, a, a, you know, excrement tank from a passing jetliner that's <laughs> leaking over the entire neighborhood. <laughs> uh, I don't even know how to give you a clue for this week. It's, it's it's so... I feel like it's a play on something, but they... I'm not sure what exactly. Hmm. Um, uh, maybe it's a play on some sort of stage play. I'm not sure. But, um, okay, uh, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't have any clues for you this week. I'm sorry. Um, none okay. of, I'll, uh, suffice it to say, none of yours, as good as most of them were, were not the title. As, as great as one of them was, not the title. Okay, um, okay, no clues I, Okay, I'll say this. I think if you did a word scramble of all of your titles, all of the words that you have spoken might be in this title. The, Is that helpful at all? The Carefowls Bradley License 3D Course Honesty. <laughs> That's it. Lyson. Uh, no, okay. What? What is it? What? What? What was the, the title? The actual title. Uh, and um, worth mentioning. Uh, we're still working on our new Chalupa Challenge, so we're still uh, on an off week here. But uh, the actual title is. <clears throat> 
My son, the driver. Like, oh, like my mother, the car, the the old TV show. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay. I mean, well... I, <laughs> I mean, see, I don't I, think it's a reference to that. It could be, but I don't I, that's, think it is. That's, it's an odd construction if you're not yes. doing a... Re- because, like, my son, comma, the driver, which I'm assuming yeah. it is... Like, it is, yes. I don't, I don't know why else you would build that, like, build it out that way, unless you are referencing My Mother, the Car. A show that, a show that I feel like was on for five and a half episodes, but has been referenced <laughs> in titles. For, like, there's an Arrested Development episode called My Mother, the Car. There's this, like, I feel like TV writers are the only I mean, people who pretty, engage with that I show. Think- we we did we covered that on one of our nights episodes a we while did. back and i think it was um 20 some episodes uh starring jerry van dyke um but i don't i mean it's memorable uh if for no other reason than it's a talking car that has the disembodied spirit of a guy's mother in it so I, you know, yeah. Now that I'm thinking about it, Knight Rider is basically that concept. But like, what if they, what if they were cops? Like, what if, what if the mother what fought if, crime? What if mother was Mrs. Smith? <laughs> uh, yeah, it's um, it's not a great title, but I guess I respect their homage to TV history, so I give it a okay. B minus. This episode aired April first, nineteen ninety seven, directed by Andrew Zhao. Uh, written by Lori Gelman, who we've seen previously last season on Jill and Her Sisters, where they're coming up with the 50th anniversary party for their mm-hmm. uh, Jill's parents. Uh, the flirting game of this season. Um, not sure if it's the same Lori Gelman, but I saw a news uh, article um, at the bottom of the uh, of the um, IMDb page that yeah. said uh, Lori author Lori Gelman. Uh, breaks pelvis in a freak skiing accident. Ah, so oh, no, th- that happened uh, earlier this year. So if it's the same Lori Gelman, I uh, hope you're recovering. Yeah, best wishes to Lori Gelman and and her pelvis. Um, uh, it's a him, him. Best wishes to Lori Gelman and his uh, uh, pelvis. I I look. I just want everyone's pelvis to be okay. Um, <laughs> so Landon, yes. yeah. what did you think of this episode? I I like this episode. Uh, it felt like a very classic home improvement format. Um, yes. Like if I were gonna, you know, I I feel like for any TV series, you're gonna like if someone asks, well, what's what's like the quintessential uh, uh, type of episode for that series? You're probably gonna pick something from the first four seasons of most most shows. Like yeah. that's where they kind of define themselves, of course. and then they kind of repeat the formula for however long they're on. So yeah. this kind of feels like they're repeating a formula, but it feels very much cut from the mold of their classic formats. Um, it had some good laughs. I think it was a decent story. I liked that it, you know, depicted a kind of a big milestone for a character that we know, yeah. you know, that they're not going to go back. It's kind of, they went through a certain Rubicon with it. That's like, Brad's not going to, you know, go back to not having a license and driving around. So that Unless opens up revoked. new storyline. <laughs> True. But that opens up new storylines, including possibly getting it revoked in the future. So, yeah. um, propelling it in a, in that sort of direction is always exciting to me. So I don't know. I dug it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I too really dug this episode. I thought it was great. I I agree with you. It feels like it does feel like a rehash a little bit, just to, or not a rehash of something we've seen before, but it does feel like kind of classic home improvement stuff. Except it's done 
like with the skill and cleverness and clarity that they've got in season six that wasn't there in season two or three. Uh, yes. I just think that the structure of this episode is excellent. It's very well paced. It's funny. Yep. I think that this episode also, for me, this was an emotional roller coaster in a way that a lot of other episodes haven't been. Like, I th- <laughs> like certainly it was funny, and I, had I don't know. Some larks. I, I certainly went on a roller coaster last week, uh, but it was mostly you know the demon drop. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, the it was a roller coaster through negativity land. I mean, you were just spiraling down and down and down. It was, this, and and I, listen, okay, I, I want to put a, a, a preface here for the end of the show. Uh, there are I want anyone that's listening and kind of tunes out for our post ambles. Um, we're going to be talking about two one story that has to do with Richard Karn and him being a magician. So uh, stay tuned for that. But also a really important uh, thing that I want to cover regarding my reaction to last week's episode, as well as um, my tangent on Friends uh, that. Well, I'll save it for the end, but uh, they're both really important, and I'd like listeners to, to hear it out. So um, stay tuned after the deep dive for those. Yeah, <laughs> I, I really so it really has become our, our we've just accepted now that our episodes are so long that we have to give previews of what will happen. <laughs> well, after the I would have I would have normally done those as a preface to this episode, but uh, we skipped over it. So uh, I figured let's just keep going. Sorry, of- so, okay, okay. I'm sorry that I kept us on such a strict pace that then we uh, that then we <laughs> right. missed everything. Um, but yeah, I, I you know th- this episode though it is it is a real roller coaster in that like you know it's funny, but then when we're when they're at the dinner party and it's kind of an open question, why hasn't Brad called back? Is he okay? Then it's yep. kind of tense, and then when we yep. learn. Then when the perspective of the episode shifts, which I think is masterful, like for half of the episode we're with Tim and Jill and we're really in Jill's perspective worrying what could happen. Then after the commercial break, then it's we're with Brad. We find out that he's been lying to them and then we're in Brad's shoes watching yeah. as like he knows that he lied, but his parents are treating him like he, oh, yeah, like, you know, hey, let's take you out for a steak dinner. You're such a good driver. You're so honest with us. Like it then becomes really palpably uncomfortable. And I felt like bad for yeah. Brad and I was feeling my anxiety rising and it's just um, <laughs> it's like th- this episode took me to a lot of different places it inspired a bunch of different reactions like art nice. should and also <laughs> the tool time segment may have been my favorite tool time segments in the wow. history of the show oh man why well, I, and I watching the tool time segment had Truman specific questions and reactions so um, I can't wait to get to that, and luckily we start there. So, um, do you have any additional thoughts you want to uh, divulge before we go into it? No, I want to. I want to just go into it. Let's let's put our foot All on right. the gas. Well, then be sure to use your blinker blinker as we merge onto highway deep dive. We start <laughs> a lot on... of traffic. It's going to take a long time. <laughs> we start on tool time. Heidi introduces Tim and Al for Engine Week. Uh, they drive in on a Mini Cooper, and the grunt creep is Teen Wolfen uh, on the roof of the thing before he teeters off. So, uh, first note right out the gate: them driving in in a Mini Cooper with a Union Jack on top is just me saying, "Oh, so now who likes British automakers?" <laughs> interesting, very interesting. Uh, That's all. <clears throat> Tim Tim gets you know they both get out of the car to a you know hollering. I feel like anytime they drive out onto the set, they're going to get a bigger reaction than normal. Yeah, Tim they know it works. introduces himself. 
I had a weird moment here where Tim introduces himself as he does. We, we've seen a hundred thousand times on the show already. I am Tim the Toolman Taylor, and uh, you all know my assistant, Al Borland. There is something not in Tim Allen. Well, I guess obviously it has to be filtered through Tim Allen. He's the performer, but it was weird watching Tim the Toolman Taylor adapt. Like I was hyper aware of him having to adapt a performative personality here. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in in much the same way that like uh, you know pull back the curtain a little bit I, I I'm relying mostly on muscle memory this week to get through this episode uh, where it's just like oh there's just a mindset that you can step into uh, to go perform and it's so hyper different from your everyday reality that I was just I could kind of see the the sheen the performance sheen on Tim the Toolman Taylor this week uh in a way that I hadn't before. I you know, I'm glad that you mentioned that because I this is something that I've noticed and I've mentioned before but it it, it struck me as especially apparent today. I just see something in Tim Allen's eyes every time he introduces Al but doesn't do a cruel nickname in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> it really seems like he's thinking, like, it'd be funnier if I could do a nickname for him. It'd be funnier. The writers aren't letting me, but I think it'd be funnier. Like, I can just see a little <laughs> bit of resentment that he's not able to do it, and that he really thinks that that's what's killing the show. I, um, Tim Allen or, or Tim Taylor? You know, you, you, you choose. You choose who I'm going to go with Tim is. Taylor because I don't want to speculate on Tim Allen. I don't want to speculate on Tim Allen either. Maybe, or maybe I do. I don't know, folks. It's ambiguous. <laughs> okay. Uh, they're talking about um, Al, Al's, you know, it's engine week. Uh, it's a salute to engines. Vroom. Vroom. Um, Al says, uh, we're going to talk about how to give uh, a kick to your V8. And Tim chimes in and says, well, I'll tell you how I get a kick to my V8. Uh, vodka. Quick. Quick aside, I, something I've mentioned before, and uh-huh. that has been refuted a little bit in recent episodes, but something that I generally admire about Tim is that for a TV sitcom dad, he really doesn't seem to give that many shits about alcohol. I mean, he's, he will yeah. he will drink a beer during a game, or he will, like, reference drinking a lot in college, or he will, like, oh, yeah, I want a stiff drink after a day like today, like, as part yeah. of a bit, but he's generally not a boozy dude. Yeah. He's Which certainly I'm, not an Archie Bunker sitting in his armchair with a, a beer in his hand at every moment. Yeah, exactly. Like, there's lots of times we see him come home from work and, like, drink a Coke or, like, a Binford soda mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, so just generally, Tim isn't very alcohol-motivated, but that do- still doesn't stop him from, like, oh, well, if I can make a joke ab- about it, well, then, sure. <laughs> right. Like, n- nothing about Tim's character suggests that he loves to get liquored up at, like, 9 in the yeah. morning with a Bloody Mary. But if he can make a joke about doing it, he will regardless. Like, if he can imply that he is an alcoholic, he will. <laughs> Anything for a laugh um what our podcast is like so he's not uh he's not going to be the one uh to uh, say how you can uh, differentiate between a passenger engine and uh uh race car engine i guess it was um so they're bringing out their guest al unzer and he points to the the bay doors and everyone starts to clap and out walks a little boy and what? my first my first thought is like, oh, okay, so the joke is going to be that this kid is some kind of like youthly go kart racer, and Tim doesn't <laughs> right. know it. And oh, yeah, okay. And then Tim reacts with surprise and says, "I'm looking for the other Alunzer." And then this dude comes out, and Tim looks at the dude and says, "I'm looking for the other Alunzer." And at this point, I'm like, I guess I'm supposed to know what Alunzer looks like, and these guys aren't him. <laughs> 
<laughs> like, do you know who this guy yeah. is? Uh, listen, I was not a race car guy at all growing up, so no, I, I maybe if they were golfers, I would have, but uh, no, I did not know who the Unser family was uh, previous to, I guess, watching this episode when I was a kid, and then forgetting that knowledge, and then learning it now for this. I, I uh, just, in fact, do you want to learn a little bit about them? I, I, I do, because I have to say... If you didn't know this, and if it wasn't, like, common pop culture knowledge, I'm surprised that a primetime sitcom would invest so much in this joke, <laughs> assuming that <laughs> millions know of audience. people know these people. I guess, I guess. But yeah, tell me more about the Unsers. Okay, the Unsers. Now, unlike uh, Mario and Michael Andretti, this is... No, no, no. Just like... God, you you have wired my brain. You've successfully done it, sir. <laughs> I was going to say unlike them, but it's actually like them. It <laughs> is a father-son... Uh, situation. It's generational, not brothers. Mm-hmm. Um, Al Unser, the eldest, uh, the last one to walk out, was a American auto. I'm reading from Wikipedia now. Uh, an American automobile racing driver. Um, he's also the bo- uh, brother of Jerry and Bobby Unser, who are also race car drivers. Jesus. Um, he is now retired as of 2021, but he is one of four men to have won the Indianapolis 500 uh, for four times. Wow. Um, he is the father of Al Unser Jr., who we have also met, who uh, is, again, Wikipedia, nicknamed Little Al, Al Jr., or simply Jr., who also became an American race car driver and two-time uh, Indy 500 winner. God. Um, and grandfather to... Uh, <laughs> wait. Where, where was uh, where was this guy? Um, you're you're as lost in this as Tim gets. It I am. I I couldn't find the link on on Wikipedia. Uh, Al Unser the third, uh, who also became a uh, professional race car driver, who no longer is. Um, he was born. I'm actually older than him. Oh, <laughs> by a couple months. Born October twenty third, nineteen eighty two. Uh, he. Complete, uh, competed in the Indy Lights series and the Toyota Atlantics Championship. Um, it says uh, Al, Al Richard Unser is the son of Al Unser Jr. and grandson of Al Unser Sr. Due to his family connections in auto racing, he has sometimes been known as Al Unser III or just Al. <laughs> just Al. As they they say in this uh, this little exchange here that we should get to right now, yes. but that's been our cameo actor corner for the Unser family. <laughs> I, I really I really hope that there's at least one member of the Unser family whose parents are pressuring him really hard to be a to be a race car driver, and he's like, <laughs> "No, I want to sell dental insurance." Um, so they uh, they they come out and they uh, you know we've got all three Al's there and and you yeah. know I'm Al senior this is Al junior and this is just Al and then Al Borland pipes up oh you're never just Al and then the the little kid says pleased to meet you Mr Borland and Al goes oh let's not be so formal around here we're more casual <laughs> and I <laughs> just I was dying I, I <laughs> had a very complex reaction to this. Um, mostly because I've been so conditioned by your title guesses that... Tight Al guesses? Son of a bitch. Son of a bitch. (laughs) Um, that I was 
not only face palming to L doing it, but I was like double face palming, knowing that these were jokes that you have either made before, will make in the future, and were getting a kick out of them while they were happening two thousand miles away. <laughs> no, knowing how much I was enjoying the episode was upsetting you, folks. That's what four yeah. years of podcasting with someone will do to uh, <laughs> your relationship. The Unser family uh, are in town. They are test driving at the American Speedway. Um, one of them is here to go go karting. <laughs> Apparently, that's little Al or just Al. Yes, and uh, anyway, they 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 get to talking about the engines or the differences between like a race yeah. car engine and a normal car engine. Well, yeah, there's just a little moment I want to cover though. Uh, Tim's. Tim tries to relate to them, saying, oh, you know, after the go-karting thing, um, oh, well, my eldest, Brad, is getting his license today, and Al Sr. just reaches in his pocket and hands him a cigar. It's true. It's true. Like, like he just had a do baby. You just, do you just keep cigars to hand out to people in your, your breast pocket at all times? <laughs> kind of like it that. It felt a little weird, but I guess, you know, I like the, the preface that they were even tying this bit into the story of the episode, so it didn't feel like they were repurposing this tool time segment for, you know, some other episode. Yeah, yeah. If for for a tool time segment that was very that is very clearly living outside of the episode, I liked that the tie in yeah. was still there. Yeah, exactly. Uh, okay, they're going to talk about the engines. Yes. So so he asks, you know, he, he asks them. I didn't get the exact question. It's like, well, what's the difference between a piston and a cylinder, Al? And then all three Al's begin talking at once. And <laughs> right. Al Borland then mentions that, oh, well, piston heads are made of aluminum, and everyone in the audience laughs, and then Al smiles and says, it's my favorite alloy. (laughs) One of the worst who's on first routines. Al's on first. Al Al is on first. Who's on second? Al is also on second. Look, this this bit is a home run in in my book because they I then, liked it, I liked it too. I, I'm not I'm not trying to be negative about it. I just the entire time I was just like, oh my god, I think I think Truman found a time machine, went back and sold his spec script to Truman. Are you Laurie Gelman? Yes, congr- congrats. How is your pe- pelvis? It's it's honestly it's been better. I I'm not. It's not in great shape at the moment. Uh, but that's that's a story for another podcast. Pelvis yeah, work. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no. Th- this bit is the bit that I would have written if I were on the show. It's it's almost eerie because they get into this run of Tim being confused about who he's talking to. Where yeah. Tim says, "I wrote the whole thing down." Tim says, "Al should take it from here now." One of the Al's. Which Al? Tim. That Al. And then the, the Al in question goes, actually, Al knows more than I do. Which Al? Big Al. Tim. My Al? Uh, and then Tim, wait, I don't even know who says it at this point. Like, someone says, hi, uh, uh, no, or no, his, uh, and then Al Borland goes, his Al. And Tim goes, which Al? And someone says, Al's Al. But it's just all, the the bit it's all this rapid fire back and forth dialogue <laughs> that is just people saying Al over and over again. And, oh, man. How can you not like that? How can How you ca- not like just hearing Al over and over? So to try and get things under control, Tim goes, okay, what's your middle names? And in unison, we don't have any. What's your shoe size? In unison, nine. Inseam? In unison, 32. And then Tim takes the little kid Al aside and asks him to explain about the engine. And he says... I can't help you. I'm just a kid. You'd have to ask Al. And Tim just kind of hangs his head and goes, Al, help me out. And then Al Borland and the other two Al's all go, okay, in unison. (laughs) First base. It's 
so good. It's like I get that objectively, <laughs> maybe it's not it's not the height of comedy, but just this. I don't know. It when is. so many, it's, when, it's, it's it, it it was satisfying. I'll say that when so many tool time gags are just Al bringing out something that's important to him and Tim destroying it in some yeah. comical slapstick manner. This was or really Tim good. Or Tim souping up something to explode. Yeah, to to have a. A uh, bit of wordplay as the thing that unravels Tim on Tool Time uh, is a nice change. The thing that unravels Tim? Oh, we get a race car <laughs> transition to the theme song. Um, and we come back out to the kitchen. Yes. Mark and Randy are moving over to the kitchen table to go eat uh, some breakfast while Brad comes down with a little skip and a step because uh, he is ready for his driver's test. And apparently Tim was too, as Brad says. He woke him up early for it. <laughs> yes, he. Yeah, Tim was so excited that he has been up since four, so he woke Brad up too. Um, <laughs> so Jill has made a bunch of rock hard waffles for everyone to eat. It's a nice solid <laughs> yeah. breakfast. Uh, Jill, I well to to help you uh, steady your nerves, I made you a solid breakfast. Randy, who's at the kitchen table with the breakfast, is holding the waffle in his hand and pounding on it with a spoon. <laughs> Like, I feel like it's something I maybe would have done as a kid. Um, (laughs) But except your mom made better waffles than that, hopefully. Nope, nope. Um, Wow, huge dish. She's in the house when you said it. Whoa. (laughs) He says, so solid, uh, you need a uh, jackhammer to get through it, which is a pretty typical joke for this show. But there's something about the way Jonathan Taylor Thomas delivers it that really made it work he's solid he's he's, just, he's solid he makes he every is, line a gem you need a jackhammer to get through jtt uh <laughs> that's what the j stands for uh <laughs> mark and mark and randy uh ask brad if uh he'll drive him around and brad just kind of goes into this cocky you kids want everything handed to you on a platter yeah just <laughs> and like uh, there's i don't know there's something about that line that was just like at what at on one hand, it's like, oh, God, what is he learning? <laughs> what values are, are being passed down to him? But on the other hand, it was, like, written and performed in a way that's kind of skewering that that mindset. Yeah. That, uh, I thought was kind of funny. Also, because I feel, I don't remember what the line is, but I feel like immediately after saying that, he then asks, like, his parents for, like, hey, can I borrow the car after the, I don't know. Like, he, is, he then <laughs> right, turns right. around and asks for something from them. Yeah. Um, but Tim is putting a lot of pressure on this experience. He's talking about how yeah. Taylor men always pass their driver's test the first time out, except for your Uncle Marty, the first Taylor to break tradition, and ever since he's been hounded constantly. And Brad goes, by who? And Tim goes, well, by me. And <laughs> so as they're leaving, they're kind of, you know, Brad is anxious, and Jill says, well, yep. don't worry, honey. Even if you even if you don't pass, uh, you know, your father won't, hand you, uh, won't hound you about it. And then Randy <laughs> and Mark are both standing there holding their plates full of waffles and says... That's right. We will. And then in, in unison, they dump their, their inedible waffles into the sink, which is good blocking, I think. Uh, good blocking. They should go into the trash, not the sink, though. You don't want to clog up that disposal with those uh, <laughs> with those waffles. Oh, um, but also really, Landon? Wanna... You think the garbage disposal <laughs> has insufficient power to handle that? Um, I also like, there's, it was just kind of a throwaway moment, but... Wow. <laughs> when they dump the waffles into the sink, Jill looks over her shoulder, just kind of like, what? Like, yeah, she plays this moment as if, like, she had no idea how bad her cooking was. She she thought the waffles were great. She was she's very shocked. <laughs> how did these waffles get here? Um, um, 
we get a scene slide transition, which we get a lot of in this episode. Yeah. Uh, to a little bit later, Jill is on the phone with Patty. Uh, she says, you know, um, we're going to have to meet your new boyfriend uh, another time. Was this the big news from last week that was on the post-it note? Oh, man, God, maybe so. Wow. I mean, that's also kind of... <laughs> That's also kind of wild that Patty would be, like, calling with big news. Hey, I got a boyfriend leaving a message with your kid or something. Like, I don't I, know. I, I can see that, you know, calling to say, tell your friend, hey, I met a guy that I'm really excited about, and I think we're going to make this official, and, you know, we're actually going to start dating, and I'd like you to meet him. That seems like big news. I, I just feel something like, more like something that Patty would send to Jill in a text or an email, or maybe she'd get on, you know, get on Facebook and send her a message about it, or, like, a, just an Instagram picture of the two of them together, <laughs> and right. then Jill could comment, like, <laughs> hard eyes on it or something. Let me, you know, that's let me paint you the natural. picture. Yes. Here's, here's the picture, okay? Yes. Because uh, it was a post-it note for a message that Jill had missed uh, over the yeah. phone. So in last episode, pa- yes. Patty calls the Taylor house. Tim answers the phone. And Patty says, hey, is Jill there? Tim says, no, she's not home right now. Can I leave uh, a message for her? And Patty says, well, I got big news. Uh, I've met this guy. I'm really excited about him. And Tim just tunes out at that point. All he heard was big news. She goes on to say, I think you'd actually really like him. uh, And I'd love to have you guys over for dinner soon. And Tim just goes, "Uh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, great. Uh I'll tell her to call you back. All he's written down was Patty called big news. Mm Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. That, okay. That that does track though. That that actually does. As soon as you put it in in the vein of Tim was in control of writing the note, now it makes sense why the note would look that way. <laughs> well, it was either him or the boys. I mean, she certainly wasn't taking a note for herself. But okay. True. Um, she hangs up because uh, Tim Brad come home uh, from the test. He has passed. Exciting and- news. Huge applause. Huge, huge applause from the live studio audience for this fake boy passing his fake driver's test. I've been in the uh, studio audience of a few shows in the past, and there are the applause signs and the, like, manufactured applause. Yeah, true. Uh, There are, but there are moments where, like, I I feel like if I was in the audience and having known the show, I would have applauded without being prompted. I think I would have been part of that big applause in this moment. (laughs) I mean, he he does he like he does pump his arms up. He is excited. It's almost like yeah. Brad is working the crowd as much as anyone else. <laughs> um, so uh, and 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 then Tim Tim announces that he passed as well. He retook the test just for the hell of it. Um, and <laughs> exciting, not not as big of a reaction from the audience. No, no, not not as big. Although honestly, given how much Tim sucks at things, I am kind of surprised that he passed the test. <laughs> um, so Jill was planning on doing this big family dinner to celebrate, but Brad instead says, "Oh, actually, I was going to go out with some of the guys to celebrate yeah. together." And Jill is kind of taken aback by this, but Tim is totally fine. He says, "Yeah, no, that's cool with you, right?" And then. Until he turns to Brad, and he's like, "So where are we going?" And Brad's like, "No, I was going to go out with some of my friends." And <laughs> there are a couple, yeah, a couple of lines here I want to pull out. Um, uh, first of all, when he uh, when he hands over the the test results to to Jill, uh, Tim leans over and goes, uh, "Hold on to that tight. That's one of the most important documents you'll ever receive." Uh, yeah. And Jill asks, uh, "What about a marriage license?" And Tim's like. Like I said, yeah. uh, kind of like leans in front of Jill to talk to Brad. I don't know. It was kind of a, a thing. Um, uh, only because it comes back up later in the episode. But then in this moment, um, when he says uh, uh, he wants to take um, the boys out, uh, the guys he wants to take out uh, to the basketball game, um, Tim's like, <laughs> well, first he, he says, I want to uh, I want to go out with the boys. And Tim's like, oh, yeah, you don't mind. Do you, honey? 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then he turns to Brad. He's like, so where are we going? And yeah. uh, Brad's. that's when Brad goes, I said just the guys, Dad. And Jill throws it right back at Tim and just kind of like puts her, like almost puts her chin on his shoulder and flutters her eyebrows and goes, you don't mind, do you, honey? Yeah. <laughs> I just this... like watching whenever Jill throws it back at Tim. Yeah, seeing her twist the knife was pretty cool. <laughs> Uh, uh, then then Brad asks for the keys to the Nomad. Tim hands them over before uh, Jill's like, "What? You're just gonna hand them over without laying down some ground rules?" And it's uh, it's a good it's a good bit of blocking because Tim is holding out the keys and he drops them towards Brad's hand, but then Jill reaches in and catches them out of midair, yes. like br- yeah. beautiful, brilliant, wonderfully yeah. done. Um, yeah. Um, but she- so here are the ground rules that he lays yeah. down. <clears throat> um, obey all traffic laws, especially no speeding. Keep that se- uh, seatbelt fastened. No kids drinking, smoking, no sex, no drugs. Then Jill times it, chimes in and says, uh, or anything else. <laughs> Brad's like, what else is there? Tim's like, plenty. Really good. No, yeah. I think he says here, no whole shots in the parking lot. I don't know exactly what that is. Don't. Um, I, I mean, I can, I can... I can think in the context of modern-day smartphones what whole shots might be, but uh, that's probably not it. <laughs> I don't know what they are in 97. Uh, or doing donuts on people's lawns and absolutely no mooning while the car is in gear. And Jill goes, what about when it's not? <laughs> Use your best judgment. Yes. <laughs> uh, uh, Jill says, um, and I want you to call me exactly at 8 p.m. on the dot. Yeah. And Brad... Brad, yeah, he seems reasonable about this. He's like, okay, I understand. That sounds good. I'll do that. Mm-hmm. And and then Tim says home at 11, and Jill goes, no, home by 10. And Mar- and Brad is like, 10 o'clock. And Jill says, you want to be a grown-up? Yes. Then do whatever your mother says. <laughs> uh, we get some speed signs and a no donut, but it's like a, a quintessential, iconic Homer Simpson donut. Oh. Uh, oh. A sign with the, the don't uh, through it of a donut. Uh, that transitions us to Patty's apartment. Uh, Tim and Jill enter and introduces them to her new boyfriend, Doug. Doug. Uh, first, I just want to say this trendy apartment. This is like the first time. No, it's not. I was going to say this is the first time we've really kind of explored like what a childless family unit is like on this show, and then I realized <laughs> no, we've been to Al's apartment a bunch of times. And this is the first. And Wilson's. This is the first time I guess we've been to like a trendy, cool, like yeah, younger person's apartment on the show, yeah. and it's and you know it's it's trendy and cool because uh, I don't know if you noticed, but uh, she even had a character actor corner. Oh, you know, I heard about those were like the '90s equivalent of a conversation pit, right? You'd go into it and talk about a character actor and make a bunch yeah. of haphazard guesses as to what uh, popular medical dramas he or she was on. Exactly, exactly. This is uh, Doug. He is played by George Del Hoyo. Um, 49 credits. He most recently has had a 100-episode stint on Days of Our Lives. A 100-episode stint? Yeah. That's a big um, stint. It, it's very stinty. He <laughs> was, he's mostly a TV actor, although he did do a voice in maybe one of my favorite uh, animated films of the last uh, 21st century, let's say that. Uh, he did a voice in Rango oh. uh, as Senor Flan, one of the mariachi uh, band members. Rango um, was uh, Rango was an enjoyable movie. I, I, I yeah. that was, that was Well, some, as someone some who loves times. Chinatown, I would understand why. You I, 
and, and and that was I feel like the biggest weakness of Chinatown was that it wasn't about lizards and there wasn't a singing <laughs> mariachi band of like frogs I think um so he's mostly a TV actor he appeared in Just Shoot Me uh, mm. a bunch of episodes of Beverly Hills 90210 his first credit goes back to 1979 for BJ and the Bear he had a bunch of episodes on the short-lived 9 to 5 TV series based on the movie mm. and was in a bunch of episodes of St. Elsewhere. Oh, uh, a hospital show, you say? <laughs> indeed. Uh, would you say that he was on, or do you want your clues? Let me ask you uh, Yes, I do. Was he on NYPD Blue? He was not. Was he on Cheers? He was. What episode of Cheers was he on? <laughs> he was on... Uh, an episode called Norm, Is That You? in 1988. It is a season seven episode. Um, the Cranes are having their apartment redone and have called in oh. renowned designer Ivan. Yes, okay, so they, ha- yeah, this Norm is Norm is we- doing the prep work. Yeah, th- but this is the episode where they then find out that Norm is, like, naturally inclined towards interior decorating and so they're having him yes. do it, and then there's an opportunity for him to do a bunch of work for another bougie family, but Norm has to pretend to be gay in order for that to happen. Um, <laughs> so I think he must have played one of the people in that bougie family. Okay, that's interesting. Useless for the game, but interesting to know. Was he on Frasier? Yeah. He was on three episodes of Frasier with a recurring character um, called Father Mike. Father Mike, oh wait, is he okay? Okay, I think, yeah, he's got another show on KACL, right? <laughs> uh, yes, yeah, that's right, that's right. Um, he is in an episode called Oops from season one, episode 10. Uh, a season, or an episode called The Botched Language of Cranes in season two, episode six, which I think is the um, awards night episode that season. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then She's the Boss from season three, episode one, where. Um, uh, there's a new station owner that mm-hmm. comes on. Uh, Mercedes yep, yep. Rule comes yep. on as Kate yeah. Costas. Uh, so yeah, there's there's Frasier for you. Yeah, there's Frasier for me. Uh, okay, uh, to end all of this very uh very anticlimactically, I don't believe he was on ER. Wow. Okay. So with a yes to Cheers, a yes to Frasier, uh, and a no to NYPD Blue, you're saying no to ER. I'm saying no to ER because I feel like Frasier and Cheers are not really good indicators uh, of whether someone is on the show. Uh I just Uh like to know. Uh, Uh What do we Uh got? I'm wrong, aren't I? He was not on ER. Congratulations, sir. Uh, I feel great. I feel really good about that. Um, (laughs) So, cool. Okay. Well, uh, great. Good for me. I I win. Uh, Okay. Episode over. Thanks, everybody, for listening, (laughs) and we'll see you next week. Um, Yep. Let's okay. get back to this double date that they're on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so as soon as they get to the house, it's clear, or the apartment, it's clear that Jill is very nervous and, uh, yep. you know, is waiting for the call. saying like, okay, well, so so we gave Brad the number for your place, so your phone, like, the ringer's on, right? Like, we'll hear it if if, if it rings. Like, someone will, <laughs> if, if he calls, we can hear it. Then the oven timer goes off, and Jill immediately picks up the phone, and, you know. <laughs> Yeah. She's like, I'm not nervous. Ding! She picks up the phone. Hello, Brad. <laughs> and Patty walks over. I, I really like Patty. This is like the first time we've really dug into her character. Um, the first time that we met her was, you know, when she was uh, the flirting game when um, her and Jill were driving around and trying to get out of the ticket. Uh, yeah. And we only got like a little taste of her at Al's wedding. So, like, we get a, a better sense of her here. And, like, 
I like that she's a good counterbalance to to Jill. Yes, like she can keep Jill, you know, uh, a little more evenly keeled. I without judging her for it too. Yeah, she can both keep Jill evenly keeled, but also is very. It's very clear even when she's not saying anything that she and she is on Jill's wavelength, and e.g., not like. She clearly isn't crazy about Tim in a way that is not like it's just so much in her performance that this comes across that she is like dismissing yes. Tim, but not in her outright saying stuff. It, it's, <laughs> you know, she like she kind of low key thinks, yeah, t- Tim is nice enough, but I feel like Jill could do better. Like she should have dated yeah. that cop. Yeah. Um, well, and she also she has experience doing this since she was also able to keep the uh, the gin in the Wishmaster series uh or at least the first moment one uh, under control so she she's good at keeping um chaotic energy at bay <laughs> yeah the, the wishmaster was just kind of a kind of a, a practice run for her uh, <laughs> or eventual dealing with with a nervous jill and a regular tim <laughs> it was the same year 1997 so oh really wow well okay she was yeah. fresh off of her training mission then <laughs> So, uh, so, uh, Patty asks Jill, you know, what can I get you to drink? And Jill goes, red wine, white wine, anything, liquor. And, uh, <laughs> Tim goes for a light scotch. And as mm-hmm. Doug is pouring for them, uh, J- Tim is asking what he does. And he says, oh, I'm a yeah. general contractor. I'm uh, actually working on that new Polish restaurant. And Tim is immediately in love with him. <laughs> And uh, not not the not the new. OK, so I, I was skipping over a few details here. One, uh, because the whole point of the scene uh, and Doug is that he's really um, playing to, you know, Tim's good side. Right. Like yes. and without trying, he's just kind of another younger, more attractive version of Tim. Yes. Um, so when Tim says, oh, you know, he, he kind of says as an aside to Doug. Uh, our eldest is getting his uh, just got his driver's license today. And the first thing that appeals to to Tim from Doug is he says without prompting, um, oh, the most important uh, uh, document he'll ever receive, eh? Yeah. Uh, as if like that's a, a thing <laughs> that yeah. people know and say. Um, and then this part where he goes into the uh, talking about what he does, saying uh, some of the guys down at the um, down at work really like your show. Oh, what do you do? Well, I'm a general mm-hmm. contractor. And Patty chimes in and says. Uh, he's working on the new location for Stan's Polish food. Oh, so I see. It's the famous Stan's that uh, we've heard of so many times before. Uh, that Tim, Tim, obviously, as he says here, loves their kielbasa. Um, and I, I just want to pull this apart for a second because it's worth commenting on. Maybe sure, sure. <laughs> pull it, pull First it apart, of all, just he's like they're moving to uh, Highland Park, which is a real place in Michigan. I looked this up to see if there was a Stan's Polish food in Highland Park to this day. There's not, but there is a Polish restaurant that has been serving the Highland Park area for over 50 years. Interesting. Jim's Place. Jim's Place. Yeah. I. Okay, so... All right, all right, Patri- Patreons, up your up the amount of money that you're giving us by by like three hundred percent, so we can fly to Highland Park and eat <laughs> at Jim's. And I I get see I, I don't even see what need happens. that. But I think I think I can get there on one tank of gas. 
Okay, well, I mean, I you know, I, I can't. I I need a, I need a plane <laughs> ticket for that. Fair. Okay. Okay. I'll um, fly to Wisconsin. We'll take an awesome road trip out there, and then a terrible road trip back after I've eaten a bunch of it. Polish food and we're Ooh. trapped in the same car. Well, Ooh. not not if Doug has worked on the exhaust fan. So this is what I wanted to pull apart. Okay. Uh, Tim says, "I love their kill bosses." He says, I hope you're putting a heavy-duty exhaust fans in those bathrooms. Doug says, oh, yeah. I put a 115-volt ball-bearing motor with an auto reset. And Tim, and, okay, full full disclosure or, or preface to our yeah. grunt count guess. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure if Tim grunts here, and I want to I wanna pull this out for discussion later. But he definitely goes, oh, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's um, very close, yeah. Okay. Uh, and Doug goes on to say, That'll suck the fumes right out of you. They're talking about fart suckers. Like he's they're they're you know uh, ABC primetime tiptoeing around. I've installed a exhaust fan in a restaurant that will suck farts out of you. <laughs> I and and not just not just. I've installed a fan powerful enough to suck farts out of your ass, but that Tim is very excited about it. That it's not just that he's done yeah. this, but that Tim thinks this is one of the biggest pieces of news he's ever heard. Well, and this is why he and Doug get along so well. It's like Doug instinctively knows this. Like it's not he's not laughing at Tim making a joke. It's like, oh yeah, no, I know. I've already I've already got this covered, dude. I <laughs> I made the decisions on this. Uh and so I know what uh I know what kielbasa farting is like <laughs> we got you covered. So he's he's a he is a he is a younger, better looking Tim in every way, right on down <laughs> yes. to his body not being able to process Polish food, but yes, indulging exactly. nonetheless. I uh side yeah, I have another side note about that. Yeah, Doug. yeah, go for it. No, no, go for it, go for it. Uh, is it me, or does he seem like a young Brian Cranston to you? Yeah, he. I was getting vibes of like what Tim Watley, his character on Seinfeld, the the dentist uh-huh. who Elaine has the sexually charged relationship. Well, I mean, Elaine yeah. has sexually charged relationships with everyone on that show. But you, yeah. Um, <laughs> well, in one episode, <laughs> he has one with Jerry too. Ew, yeah, that's very true. That's very true. Um, yeah, no, I do get. I do get some young Cranston vibes off this guy. Uh, which is the much much less popular spinoff of the show Young Rock. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I I I don't know. I've just my note here is just that in the last few episodes, like Tim has been all in on pooping and not very all in Seriously? on grunting, and it's like yeah. I'm becoming uncomfortable with the fact that we started this show to catalog how much Tim grunts, and now it seems like. Late in the show, the the attitude is let's make it more shitting well, oriented and less grunting we, oriented. We could change the title of our podcast to honestly something a little more accurately titled, which would be shit work. <laughs> true, true, but then we then we'd get a lot of uh, eccentric Germans with odd sexual proclivities following us. <laughs> hey, and we don't want to. I am. I I will parlay those extra analytics <laughs> into a much wider listen to show. Um, why, why are we wasting time in the gutter here? This is not where we 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 live. Is it not where we live, Landon? Because we wind up here an awful lot. If we don't, we, if we do. Don't, but it's because if, of the show, not because of us. If we don't live in the gutter, we certainly rent the same Airbnb there pretty <laughs> fucking often. 
Uh, okay, Doug starts going on about his first car. He's really excited about it. I think it was a 66 Chevy or something. Uh, it yeah. seems like, oh, the one with the suicide doors. Um, yeah. But Doug goes on to say that, uh, oh, yeah, we drag raced uh, going 120 miles an hour, and we only slowed to moon the pedestrians. We had 14 and people this- jammed in the car. Yeah. <laughs> this is making Jill just sweat bullets. Uh, but Tim loves it. Tim Tim has completely forgotten Jill's worries uh, and wants to hear more. And, and one, this is also this is a moment, another good Patty moment, where you can see mm-hmm. like Jill is getting freaked out by this. Patty is seeing that Jill is freaked out by this, and it's very clear in Patty's face that she is trying to stop Doug. And she says like, Doug, stop. You know why don't why don't we talk about something? Else? And then <laughs> yeah. but then Jim jumps in once she shut Doug up, and he starts talking about. Did you say Jim? Jim? Yep, I said Jim. That's that's who the show's about, right? Jim Jailer. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I I started listening to our show from the pilot episode again for it's something ba- I'm working on for uh, a a long term project for us. Um, mm-hmm. And I was shocked the other day to hear you confuse Brad with uh, Justin. You kept calling what? him Justin for some reason. Oh my god, dude! I was young, man. I was young. It was twenty. You were as young as the kids look in the opening theme song. Um, but I would, the, the that, audience would go awe every time I spoke because I was like young Mark. Uh, Jim for Tim is uh, a little jarring to hear, um, but I'm not gonna hold you to it. It's, thank you. Uh, you know, thank you. You, you I, took I, a shot at tequila before we started. Uh, yeah, a, a long, a long ass time ago. It seems like. Yeah. Um, but Tim, I, yeah, Tim starts going on about his first, uh, the first night he got uh, his license, uh, saying that him and his friends uh, were they tried to race a freight train, um, and as he starts explaining it, uh, he's like, he sees how Jill is reacting to it, and he's like, oh, but then we decided uh, before we got there that we had to return some overdue. Uh, books to the library. Then we went over to Aunt Winnie's house for Bible study and hot chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so off of Jill being anxious, we go to commercial. And um, is it a commercial? No, it's not. A- I don't think it's a commercial oh, yet. Oh, it's just a transition. Uh, yeah, we get a, a train transitioning. Uh, trains transition us. A freight train. I, I, I train a little bit later. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> God. Actually, I kind of like that one. Uh, Why well, you just you just you know knee jerk to 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 shit on my on my wordplay? I, so yes, you're right. You're right. No, you you're calling me out, and I accept uh, I accept that criticism. Good, um, thank you. Don't let it happen again. So it's eight oh three. Do you know where your son? Eight oh three. Brad hasn't called. Jill is panicking. Tim, I think Tim Tim's doing an okay job here. He's like he's doing well with the boyfriend, and you know Patty knows what's up with Tim, so there's not a lot of embarrassment there. He's trying to uh, you know kind of soothe Jill and say, remind her that hey, Brad is responsible. Let's you know give him the benefit of the doubt. You know he's just it's his first night. He's excited, and, and Jill's I also- like, okay, you're right. And I just want to quickly point out, earlier when they were talking about the car experiences, this is Patty and Doug and Tim and Jill having pre-dinner cocktails sitting on the yeah. couch. Now they're sitting this at the is dinner table with entrees post, or something. Uh, this is post-dinner, I think. Oh, it's, is um, it post-dinner? No, 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 no. No, you're right. It is entrees. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and she's like, yeah, you're right. Uh, you know, she agrees with Tim. Um she says, you're right, you're right, Brad, he's calm and he's rational, just like me. And the phone rings, and she tips her chair over, <laughs> rushing over to it uh, yep. in a panic. But, but and, Patty, uh, Patty, yeah, Patty has a great moment here, too. Yeah, she just picks it up and says, well, no, actually, it's my apartment, I'll answer the phone. 
<laughs> it might be for me. Yeah. Um, so she answers the phone and she's like, what? Tell me everything that happened. And, and Jill just, her blood turns cold. <laughs> you could see it. It wasn't even a transition. Yeah. Um, yeah. Her skin gets blue. She follows it up with, uh, mother, if you had a root, if you just had a root canal, why are you eating gummy bears? Which <laughs> is just a funny line. It's uh, good. It's a good bit. <laughs> you are building Patty's story. <laughs> And I, and it's such a weird way. I want to meet Patty's mom now. Uh, yes, the whole thing just is great. And she's like, "Mom, can you hold on? I got another call." Yeah. Uh, and uh, Jill kind of stiffens up again, and Patty goes, "Oh my God!" <laughs> Jill is losing a it. baby girl. <laughs> and and then and then Tim goes, "Congratulations, Brad's having a baby girl." And then like Doug, <laughs> Shakes Doug laughs and, Doug. and they shake hands. Yeah. Uh, we get it dissolved to a little bit later. Dinner's so, over. Uh, yeah, they're, they're like, yeah, they're at this point. I, I just, I really like the way that they handled this on a, like a props level. Like they, they are now mm-hmm. clearing the dinner table and they are sitting yes. down on the couch again with coffee. So it's been like drinks, dinner, coffee, yeah. and pie. Like they're sho- they're showing the way that time is passing through this dinner party, yeah. which I just think is very clever and effective. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, it's very good direction. Um. Jill is uh, talking herself. Brad still hasn't called, so she's talking herself into a tizzy, and uh, she's like, nope, what happened was they were going to go to the baseball game. They decided to go to a party instead. Then he got doped up on jazz cigarettes, and now they're all out mooning people. Uh, (laughs) And Tim's like, just calm down. And she's, you know, I think, A, yes, overreacting a little bit to this situation, but understandably so. I mean, there's a certain amount of worry that... I would assume goes into a parent uh, letting their kid out in a you know death machine for the first time. Of course, um, but she she also has the cognizance to say, "Tim, quit dismissing my feelings, you asshole." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, don't dismiss my feelings. I hate when you do that. And this immediately is like, as soon as she says that, I'm like, "Oh man, I feel I feel good for Jill that she's verbalizing this. I feel really bad for Patty and Doug <laughs> having to sit here for this." And then he, yeah. and then she says, "Would you like to be dismissed?" And Tim goes, "Yes, I would." Which, <laughs> on the one hand. Dick line, Tim. On the other yeah. hand, sitcom, good line. Good. That's yes. funny. That's well That's <laughs> well done. Tim, I, think uh, that t- I think that Tim is being a dick in this moment. At the same time, I, it's not just he's being a dick because it's fun. I think he's being a dick because, you know, it's like he's frustrated by this. He is not worried about, about Brad in the same way that Jill is. And, like, th- this just seems like natural relationship clashing yeah. over this issue. I mean, this isn't just Tim being a dick because he wants to be. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and that's partly, you know, verbalizing the internal thoughts that people have for sitcom laughs is just kind of what you do on a sitcom. Yeah. So uh, they do it in a way, I don't know, that was funny. Um, but uh, in the midst of all this, the phone rings and Patty answers again. Hi, Brad, she says right out the gate to let Jill know who she's talking to. But yep. guess what? Oh, no, there has been a little accident. Uh, Jill was right. Her her instincts that she's been talking about all evening um, were true. Uh, and, and we, go we to get commercial. the we get the serious guitar strings wow, uh, that wow. happens every once in a while <laughs> when something big is happening on the show, yeah. uh, and those take us to a fade out to commercial. You um, you know you know it's serious when we just dissolve to black and don't have the grunt <laughs> creep tugging us into a different reality. <laughs> you know it's serious when uh, when um, we get the uh, the acoustic guitar uh, around the f- campfire singing. <laughs> the, the, you know you know. 
when when we get the when we get the serious guitar chords, it is because the grunt creep has pulled out a guitar and is strumming on it. So that's a little <laughs> that's a little fun fact for you. That's IMDb trivia right there. Uh, a little bit later, uh, Jill's still on the phone with Brad. Turns out that he backed into a telephone pole, um, or, or just he... hit a telephone telephone pole and yeah. jill is so relieved that it was just that uh she says that uh, she finishes up with brad and tells patty oh yeah we're gonna go home uh and she says you know he's fine everything's fine and then tim says well what <laughs> what about the car she's like i don't know i didn't ask and tim says well now that i know that brad's all right i just want to know what kind of damage was uh was done and she's like, could it be worse when you dropped than when you dropped a three ton beam on it? My note here is just boom, <laughs> destroyed. How a wonderful Jill clapback moment. Yeah. Uh, and Doug's like, what? And Tim's like, yeah, but when I did that, I got the chariot out, so uh, it wasn't too bad of a deal. Um, and, and 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 then D- Doug goes, oh man, I hope the car's okay then. And Patty just goes, Doug, shut up. And I really, I, I as much as I li- I've enjoyed seeing Doug as a character, I also kind of love the idea that Patty was totally psyched on him as a boyfriend until she saw how well he got along with Tim, and now she's having second thoughts. It's like, <laughs> big news on the next post-it note. It's not going to work out. Um, <laughs> and maybe it's for this, which seems like a strange, I, I, I couldn't figure out this. The way they ended the scene, Doug, they're you know putting on their jackets and walking out the door, and uh, Doug reaches out to shake Jill's hand and says, uh, "Well, good luck with Brian." And Jill just stares at him very awkwardly and goes, "His name is Brad." And Tim goes, "It rhymes with nomad. That's how I remember it," <laughs> which is kind of a funny line, but it was just like I, I don't know, very strange. I I also like I don't know. Whoa. Is that such a fuck you moment for for Doug that he didn't remember the name of the kid he's never met? Like, yeah, I couldn't. Right, I, exactly. I thought Brad's name was Justin for a long time, and I watched this show <laughs> Jill on a regular is basis. angry with you. Yeah, I do. Well, I will do anything that I can to get back into her good graces then. Um, uh, you did, because you called Tim Jim. Yeah, well, that's, yes, there is that. Just like, just like <laughs> Jim on The Office, who would also make a much better husband for Jill. Uh, oh, we get a tow truck, tow truck. Transition uh, pulls the scene out of the way to the Taylor garage. Brad is there with Randy and Mark. They're looking at the damage to the Nomad. Uh, it's really not that bad for hitting another car. It's just no. you know the the, the the bumper is bent outward a little bit. Um, and Brad is actually telling Mark and Randy that he hit another guy on Woodward Avenue. I yep. said Boulevard er- earlier, and I needed to correct myself in the moment. I didn't. There's now a, is me correcting myself from earlier. There's a um, mob of Michiganders with uh, with torches is, and pitchforks outside your apartment. Wood, Woodward might be the most famous road in non-expressway in Michigan. Really? More yeah. than eight mile? Excuse me? Well, there you go. I out Michigan. It's a toss up. It's a toss up. I'm not gonna lie. It's a toss up. Uh, Woodward is like it's the road where they have um, I don't know what it's called, but they they parade the hot rod cars every year uh, up and down it. And um, I don't know. It's it's a pretty big road. So uh, I would say I would say it's equal. No, no famous rappers that I know of have come from Woodward, but I'm certain that Woodward has been dropped in an Eminem lyric uh, maybe as much as eight mile. And and also, uh, the journalist Bob Woodward was instrumental in getting Richard Nixon to resign, <laughs> thereby clearing the path to the presidency for Gerald Ford, the only Michigander to ever occupy the Oval Office. So, you know, maybe there's, you know, people, they're supportive of, of that as well. Maybe it was named in his yeah. honor, for all we know. 
they said, why in the world would you tell mom and dad that you hit a pole and not a person? Uh, he's like, because I enjoy breathing. Besides, I, uh, the guy said if I gave him $400, he wouldn't tell anyone. Um, and so Randy goes, well, so you're off the hook? He's like, yeah, as soon as you guys can loan me $200. Oh, so- you mean us kids? <laughs> Calling back to um, the, the dinner table earlier in the uh, episode, which I thought was like, I don't know, Randy's got a really funny delivery in this episode. Yeah, and honestly, Mark's deliveries, but like in this one, Mark yeah. is getting some good lines in too. Mark yeah. has multiple lines and they're all pretty good. Um, I, and in fact, the next one, he says, what do we get out of it? Uh, Brad as a, pro, a personal chauffeur, a little uniform and a little hat. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's this very fun moment of like Mark and Randy smirking at each other and both yeah. building <laughs> onto this and enjoying it. I, I felt good seeing them, all, uh, you know, form an alliance. Um, yes. I, I do want to, I'm just not clear. So did, like, if Brad needs to borrow $200 a piece from his brothers, did he just yeah. give the guy an IOU? Did he, like, <laughs> write a check? That's a good question. Where'd the money uh, maybe, come? Maybe he borrowed it from his friends that were in the car and he has to pay his friends back. Oh, okay, okay, look, I'm I'm 32 years old and I have a, I have a couple jobs. I don't carry $400 in cash with me. We're well, saying no between, one in like, 2021 carries any cash anymore except, y- you know, anyone that's over 70. But you're you're saying that like four teenagers driving around after a basketball game have a cumulative total of four hundred dollars on hand? Nineteen ninety seven. It might have been possible, depending on you know your economic status as a family. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. I guess, yeah. I guess Bill Clinton was really just you know dry, the dot com boom was in full swing. I I don't know. I mean, like <laughs> you went to your twenty four hour bank I mean, branch okay. and manually I, withdrew I will... the cash. I will say it did sound a little steep. Uh, I think your point of um, d- if he's asking for money, how did he have the 400 to give him in the moment is a valid one. Uh, I would say there's enough um, reasonable doubt to believe that they actually had the money on them. Uh, I, so there's I, that. So then, okay, then that opens up an even bigger question. For, for teenagers driving around, uh, Mark just – or I mean, I'm sorry – Brad just got his license. They're driving around first it's taste Justin. of freedom. They've ju- Justin's driving them around. They've they have four hundred dollars with them. Were they on their way to buy drugs? Like, <laughs> wow, wow. I'm, I'm sorry. Wow. Wh- okay, I, I cannot. That's I something. Look, there's something there. Say what you will about the '90s. I cannot fathom what four teenage boys with their first taste of freedom <laughs> are doing with 400 bucks tooling yeah. around the streets of suburban Detroit and at night I, I after will a say, basketball game. Brad, Brad has taken to wearing a very specific jacket um, that is like it's plaid, but it's really big on him, which was the style at the time. It is the exact sort of jacket that uh, my boss used to warn me about if anyone enters the store this is when i worked at worked at sam goody anyone <laughs> walks you, in the store wearing you a jacket quote unquote like that, worked at sam goody well yes. okay yeah. <laughs> when i was employed at sam goody uh if anybody walks in wearing a jacket like that watch them like a hawk they are more than likely going to shove cds in their pockets mm, mm, mm. so well, maybe I'm- maybe he's uh, selling cds out there on the streets well, but if he, but like, also, isn't he still working at the sporting goods store for his multimillionaire twenty-two-year-old boss who pulled himself up by his bootstraps? Like, <laughs> yes. I, so, also, wouldn't he have money from doing that? Why does he have yeah. to borrow money for? I, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, I shouldn't be so bogged down in this in an episode that I really like that I think is a phenomenal TV episode. I just yeah. don't get, like, 
Why does he need to borrow money from his unemployed brothers if he works? I, I don't I don't understand. You want to <laughs> I, talk I about entitled kids? Oh, I don't know. Because he's spending all of his cash now on uh, filling up that gas tank at 87 cents a gallon. Yeah, yeah, and that, but that, that car that only gets 0.87 miles per gallon because it was built <laughs> in the 50s. Um, uh, Tim and Jill come in. They yes. are glad he's all right. Uh, Tim looks at the damage, and he's like, oh, it's not as bad as I thought. But what's with this green paint? I thought you said it was a telephone pole. <laughs> Brad, like, sweats, and he's like, uh, the telephone pole was green. <laughs> Randy goes, and, the color of money. <laughs> That's a wrap on Brad and Randy. Uh, or Mark and Randy, they walk out the door. Uh, see, even um, you get it, too. Um, the... Uh, and Jill starts uh, to, you know, come around to this and saying he's a great driver. It's not like he hit a car or anything. Um, and and yeah, it, it well, now, well, yeah. And at this point, because it's Jill is t- t- saying that Brad needs to be more careful, but then Tim steps in to defend him and is like, "No, he's a great driver. It's just an innocent mistake." Oh yeah, and yeah. Part of me's like, "Geez, Tim. I mean, you need to be more careful. I mean, he did." get into a mic like even if it was just him hitting a phone pole it's still like yeah be more careful i love you i'm glad you're okay like that's not right. like if you were a great driver if you were such an amazing driver he wouldn't have hit the completely stationary phone pole either um <laughs> very true yeah but i honestly at this point i was starting to think like oh wait tim and jill immediately know that he's lying and are they just like being super nice to him to try and guilt him into telling them but eh, that was what i thought that this was going to go for but it, it doesn't yeah i just um, think it's better fact, this way anyway now that we know that it was a driver uh, that he hit and not uh, a telephone pole, um, I'm trying to think if I have a better point to bring this up because uh, I need you to to I need you to weigh in. Okay, Truman. Uh, I have a, a okay. So here's here's what happened to Brad and why he hit the back end of this guy. Um, the guy that was in front of him stopped too fast at a red light. He couldn't do anything, and so he swerved to miss him and then clipped his bumper. Yeah, that's that's how Brad hit this guy um okay so that out in the ether i was in almost an identical accident Uh, the only well i shouldn't say the only accident but the only time that you could or could not say it was my fault um i was following my cousin and this is a point of contention between the two of us (laughs) and it has been for 20 years um we were going to house slash pet sit mm-hmm. to a place we both knew the destination of so even though we were caravanning i knew where i was going i wasn't i didn't need to follow him and it was in the middle of winter he came we we came to a light that we both knew very well and it was green to like the point where he didn't need to brake, and it turned yellow and he slammed his brakes on mm. because it was winter i sl- you know thinking that he was going to go through a green slash yellow light uh couldn't stop in time also i didn't have four-wheel drive um yeah. and so my car just slid and hit the back of him yeah uh and to this day he has claimed that this was my fault no. Now, I'm not saying it's not not my fault, but I'm saying it's a sh- it's this is an equal sh- shared fault issue. I, I mean, look, I think that slamming on the brakes on a yellow light instead of just traveling through is in many ways almost as dangerous as running a red light because the people behind yep. you are making assumptions about your behavior and that's not yes. like a yellow light means this light's about to turn red. 
prepare yourself accordingly. Um, <laughs> right. Yes. Exactly. So I, yeah, I and, and it was like it was still green when he was starting to apply the brakes. Yeah. So okay. Yeah. No, that's on him. You don't brake on a green light. You go. You keep like I. Listen, I've gone. I'm not, I'm not look. I'm not trying to point the blame at him so much as like take the finger away from me and point it at the both of us. I, I mean, yeah, but e- or even- or at no one and just acknowledge that it was a situation where this was just going to happen regardless of of who was doing what. Well, yeah, and the ice being a factor too. It's like you were still trying to to respond, you know, yeah. sufficiently to what was going on, but there was ice there, so you couldn't. You were just sliding. So here's here's how this ties into this episode. We I smacked into the back of him. We pulled into a, a Wendy's parking lot. Our parents came out, assessed the damage, and decided, oh, we'll each just pay for our own cars and be on our way. Then yeah. one day, uh, about four days later, a police officer knocked on my door uh. and said, hey, um, I need to take you in. Uh, apparently, what? you ran from the scene of a crime and uh, your cousin cannot get medical treatment without a police report. What? So, because uh, my cousin went in for whiplash. Uh, so, wait. So, and your cousin couldn't have just called you and said, hey, can you fill, like, fill out a police report or something? Uh, well, that's not what happened. Uh, so I got, you know, seven points on my record or however much it was and uh, had to go back to a learn how to drive class um i mean okay so this you know i feel like we've talked about your law breaking in the past and you talked about getting off a school bus before you should have you never mentioned the fact that you like had a cop show up at your house and like did you go in the back of the police car no no my mom was home at the same time we're like well you know and he was kind enough and goes like this is obviously not a criminal you know just follow me to the police station and so you know, nice. my mom drove the two of us there. And, it's cool, cool know, being white. It's cool being white. Yeah. Well, right, right. Uh, yeah. So that's that's what that was. Uh, yeah. Well, OK. So look, the but the big difference, though, is that you didn't lie to anybody about it. You were very forthcoming with your parents. And if anything, uh, if anything, your cousin is the one who was really out of whack for sending the cops after you like that. <laughs> um. Okay, I'm not going to make any other comment. I just wanted to put it out there and have I, you make comments on it for listen, me. So I listen, appreciate like, it. You're you're innocent. <laughs> Freeland hashtag Freelandon. Uh, I I yeah. I, no 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 no. I don't want to appropriate the, the Britney Spears thing because that is a very serious thing. Okay, no that that is a very serious thing, and I did not. I was not trying to poke fun at the free Britney thing. I'm just saying. Uh, I, I think the one who's at fault here, much as in Brad's case, if we can trust what the actual story is, is the person who <laughs> was hitting the brakes too hard, too late, wasn't paying enough attention. So, uh, too yeah. early. Yes, too too early. Well, if this guy had <sighs> okay, if this guy had hit the brakes, I feel like the situation in Brad's case, at least, was that this guy hadn't hit the brakes soon enough because he wasn't paying attention. They had to slam them on at the last minute. So oh, Brad didn't maybe that realize. was it. Yeah. yeah. Also, I'm sorry, let's also just point out, this is Brad's night, first night out driving, and you put him out there in a gigantic car from the 50s that has probably no seat belts, <laughs> and the <laughs> dashboard turns into razor blades the second you crash. Like, it's not a safe <laughs> right, car for a teenager, right. guys. What are you doing? Like, how? Um, of, course, of course he crashed into him. The car's the size of an aircraft carrier. <laughs> 
we get a scene slide transition. Uh, this one was very ambitious, where like each of the you know usually it's just like different panels of the screen kind of slide together. This one is like you have screeching tires and sirens going. It was a, a very ambitious scene slide transition. Yes. Um, Took us to the kitchen where Randy and Brad come in uh, from Brad giving uh, Randy a drive around. Uh, Randy grabs a drink from the the fridge and just says, I just need to get a drink before we go back out. And Brad's like, oh, God, where am I taking it now? Randy's like, surprise me, (laughs) which I thought was a really great moment. I love whenever they can uh, lord something over Brad. Yes, it's always nice. Also, I... Those of you at home who said, wait, I thought it was a serious rap on Randy. No, Landon was wrong earlier when he said it was a serious rap on Randy. For that scene, for that scene. Oh, for that scene. Oh, a scene rap on Randy, of course, of course. So, Um, uh, yeah. yeah. So, uh, Jill is leaving for school. She thanks uh, Brad for all the work he's been doing driving his brothers around and says he wants to take him out to celebrate getting his license. Mm -hmm. You had a little accident, but you were honest about it, and it's fine. Honestly, I think it's had a positive effect. And... Right as she walks out the door, uh, there's a phone call, which, you know, yeah. Randy picks well, up. Well, Randy also, in this moment, when she goes, uh, you know, you were honest about it, you learned something from it, so it's had a positive effect, and Randy just kind of, with a shit-eating grin, sips from his drink and goes, yes, it has. <laughs> <laughs> which I just, like, I just want to bask in the, the glory of Randy in this episode. I think we all want to bask in the glory of Randy. Um, <laughs> so, so, Brad... Picks up, or, uh, so no, Randy picks up the phone and starts talking, yep. you know, d- you know, taking a message from this guy who's calling for Mr. Taylor. And then uh, when when Brad, you know, or when Randy's writing down, says, OK, you're, you know, you know, what's your face? Uh, the lawyer for, you know, whatever name, whatever name. And then Brad yep. at the here in the name of the guy, he grabs the phone and impersonates uh, impersonates Tim and goes, oh, no, that's uh, a really good version of Tim, actually. <laughs> yeah, he's going, oh, no. Oh, what? Oh, my son said that he covered everything and it was fine. <laughs> um, but yeah, in short, this is a personal injury attorney. The guy who got hit has whiplash and is trying to sue. And yep. so, you know, Brad kind of anxiously hangs up and Randy just says, oh, sounds like your son's in a bit of trouble. uh we get a siren transition to the backyard brad is coming out we're getting a brad and wilson scene i know also this episode much like uh the wedding episode is one where honestly as soon as as soon as tim and jill like find out that brad got in a car accident but that it was fine he just hit a pole i was like okay this is the end of the episode then they're gonna go home there's gonna be the stinger that's that we get into this whole thing with brad i'm like is this an hour-long episode what's going on i'm just i'm not used to the show using its time so efficiently and make it and getting the full juice out of 22 minutes (laughs) um out back wilson is sculpting a shrine out of yak butter uh he says well it's easier to spread than yak margarine (laughs) i I can't believe it's not yak it's <laughs> it got a chuckle out of me. Uh, he says I, he's I celebrating the Brutus Prayer Festival of Tibet. And and then Brad says, oh, I'm doing some praying of my own. And oh, really it, just walking in Tim's shoes there. <laughs> it, this really makes me wonder, like, is there, are there like house rules where it's like, you know, just posted like when interacting with Wilson, you have to ask him what he's doing. And then once he's explained <laughs> it, you have to find a way to turn it into a one-liner relevant to right. your thing to prompt the conversation. Yeah. Like, it just everyone does drills on this, so they're all ready if they have to go to him for advice. <laughs> like, if, uh, you, if, you I, don't, if you don't do yeah. a one-liner about what Wilson is doing, he won't give you advice. That's the only way to get help from him. <laughs> right. 
Uh, but Brad tells Wilson the whole story about hitting the guy, not the pole, and lying to his parents. And Wilson Wilson gives him some, you know, uh, quotes. I can't remember who it was, but um, says that uh, truth, like surgery, might hurt, but it cures. Yeah. You know, it, and Brad's it, like, you're right. Yeah. It, it, it's pretty, yeah, pretty much it's just the situation of, you know, well, I think what I like about this scene is that going into this episode with, with up front when Tim is talking about how oh, no one in the family has ever failed the driver's test, whatever. I'm thinking, oh, Brad's going to fail the driver's test and that's going to be nope. a, he's going to do a big <laughs> sad. Yep. Uh, but then but no, what it actually is, is, you know, like as Brad tells to Wilson, it's like my dad makes so, such a big deal about driving. If like if he knew that I hit a car my first <laughs> night out, he would respect me less. And I don't want to like you know, go down in history right. as a bad tailor or something. So I thought that was really cool that, you, you know, t- the pressure Tim was putting on him about driving did affect him, but not in a way that I was expecting. But it's like, that's, yeah, that's it. It it affected him in a way that Tim likely wasn't expecting either. And I thought that that was a cool <laughs> way that that emotional aspect in him wanting to be a good son kind of came back. Yeah. Yeah. No, I completely agree with you. I think it was a nice little, I, I wouldn't even call it a misdirection, but just kind of like, a great way to shape that uh, that narrative. Yeah. Um, we get a scene slide transition. Like I said, lots of scene sliding in this episode. Uh, it's, it's like they're it's like it's like there's a new linoleum floor and they're wearing their socks. <laughs> to the garage, Brad comes in to talk to Tim about what has happened to uh, divulge the truth. Be honest, and Tim's like, I think I know what you want to talk about. For dinner, you want a big steak, nice and thick and fatty, with a baked potato loaded with all the butter and margarine and bacon. Uh, I was I was so ready for grunts. I was just on the edge of my seat prepared for grunts. <laughs> Jill comes in, and uh, she also asks about dinner, and Brad I, says, oh, yeah, I needed to talk. And Tim's like, yep, he, we've already covered it. He doesn't want any of that sissy uh, salad bar stuff. We want meat. I And it's like, it's... The episode is very effectively piling on. Like, you're already anxious for Brad when he comes in and says, Dad, I need to <laughs> yeah. talk. And then, you know, Tim cuts him off and won't let him finish it. He's talking about the steak. Then Brad tries yep. to cut Tim off and say it. But that's when Jill comes in and then she's talking about the dinner. Like, it, they're piling on making yeah. this as bad as possible for him. I really, I really was anxious during this scene. Like, I... Yeah. But one of the reasons that I just generally don't lie to people is that, like, when I was a kid <laughs> and I would try to, and then I would get caught in a lie or, like, the guilt of knowing that... I, the, the, the shit just makes me so anxious and I would rather just be honest all the time than be caught in one yeah. of these things. And this episode is an example. I concur. It's a um, crash course in the value of honesty, like my title. I actually really like what uh, how they handle this because Brad just like comes out and says it. He doesn't yeah. like tiptoe around it. He doesn't try to tweak his lie or come up with a further excuse like this is what happened. But it was his fault. He just completely owns up to it. He says... Yeah. Um, you know, I hit a guy, it wasn't a pole, I hit a guy, he tells him this, you know, uh, that the guy stopped too fast and, uh, or whatever the case might be and, and hit, hit him. Uh, that's what happened. And, uh, that now he's suing for whiplash, uh, and Tim just cannot keep up with the development of what's going on. And, um, he, he's so flummoxed and we get a line that, we haven't heard in a long time. He goes, whoa, 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 back the Sioux canoe up. Uh, <laughs> what is a Sioux canoe? Kind of funny. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the Sioux canoe. Oh, like being sued. Oh, yeah. never mind. Okay, I get it. I get it. We can keep Ask, going. Ask uh, okay. Sacagawea. Um, 
Was she from the Sioux tribe? I don't know. I don't. That sounds I, like dangerous territory. I do not want to. Yeah, yeah. You you don't want. I don't know what tribe she was from, but I also don't necessarily want to make assumptions. Um, uh, either do I. They can't believe uh, that he lied. He, they are very angry about it. Rightly so. Yeah, rightfully. Um, yeah. And, but he says, you know, I'm sorry. I realized what I did was wrong. I'm willing to own up to the consequences of it. Uh, and I like this. There was no negotiating. Yeah. He was just like, yeah, no, I understand the seriousness of this. I don't want it to affect your trust in me. He doesn't say this, but it's implied. I don't want, you to want it to affect your trust in me moving forward and borrowing the car. So whatever you think is fair, let's do it. And Tim's like, you're right. 30 days, no driving. He's like, 30 days sounds fair. That sounds yeah. good. I will go with that. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Which, I mean, and I, you know, th- this whole episode, they, after, you know, they've been making such a big deal about, oh, Brad was so mature and trustworthy, he told us right what happened. And, like, no, okay, he was yeah. lying. But then the way that he comes clean and reacts to it, and, like, says, I did something wrong, I accept that you're going to punish me, that's fair. <laughs> like, that's very mature. That's, like, I would yes. be, if, if I had a son, God forbid, and he did all of this stuff. I would, despite being mad at him for getting me sued, I would be proud of like, well, okay, but he recognizes that lying to us is wrong, and he's now like, yeah. this is this is adulthood shit. Like, yes, I I recognize that I fucked up, and I'm gonna have to get punished for it. Let, yeah. let me know what I got to do. It was good. Well, he knows if he fucks up further, that Tim's just gonna sell him for another son. So yeah, ex- exactly, exactly. <laughs> wow, you, you um, really are listening to our early episodes. You want to make some Sir Larry <laughs> jokes next? Oh my God, Sir Larry! I miss him so much. Oh man, um, we go I to our he, singer. We I go- hope he comes back in the very last episode. I hope the whole last episode <laughs> is like a three-hour special about them finding the the thing that it he's is. locked in and, and freeing him. It is. I will say it is a three-part finale, so oh uh, we have that to look forward oh, to, and man. a bunch of old uh, old flames come back. Uh, I don't know if Sir Larry's in it or not. That would be great if he was, but um, we get a garage door transition, not to the stinger, but just to the, the button of this episode, which uh, is Tim and Jill talking in the living room. They're kind of summing up her motherly instincts about knowing something was wrong and uh, about her worries uh, about him driving now and... Um, yeah, I don't know. You have any thoughts on on this? I thought it was just kind of a sweet moment, like yeah. a, a pull back behind the curtain on, you know, parenting. Like I could see myself being around Brad's age when this came out, and you know, just starting to learn to drive, and like being able to see what my parents might be going through when I, you know, in a, I, an experience that I'm not going through. Yeah, yeah. I, I I would compare this to like this little scene with just Tim and Jill talking. I would compare it to uh, Get Ready, folks. It's a patented Truman Caps bit in the early seasons of Cheers when the uh, when the ratings were still low, but the producers realized like, oh, everybody's obsessed with Sam and Diane. Even if the episode yeah. hasn't been about Sam and Diane, we need a one minute scene at the end of the episode with Sam and Diane in Sam's office <laughs> talking about what happened in that episode, so that there can be a little yeah. bit of and so it. Like, it kind of almost feels like that. Just like, well, Tim and Jill, the episode's almost over. What do you guys think about everything that happened? Want to <laughs> kind of just recap for us how we're feeling about everything? I, you know, I think it was... But I kind of liked it. I don't yeah, know. No, I mean, was, I feel fun... like they don't... No, go yeah, on. Yeah, I don't think they have enough reflection on this uh, in this sort of way. It was just like when they wrap up the main issue to get the, you know the behind-the-scenes parent perspective. I, I just, I don't know, yeah. I thought that was interesting. And I feel like this um, is, you know, uh, speaking as someone who isn't married and doesn't have kids, I feel like this is what marriage <laughs> is like when you have kids. Like, there are those moments of, like, okay, well, you know, we 
we're exhausted. We handled the big parenting shit that we've got to do for the day. We have kind of a quiet moment to reflect on it and just talk and be a couple and kind of reflect and... I, and no. also, Tim Tim has a bit here that's funny where he says to Jill, like, listen, I, I have to let you know, um, that story <laughs> I told you about me and my friends going to the library, and he hangs his head and puts his head in his hands, like, it wasn't true. And <laughs> and, Jill, and Jill laughs and says, yeah, I could tell. And Tim goes, what gave me away? She says, I've never even, have you ever been near a library? And Tim goes, yeah, the parking lot. That's where I learned to do donuts, which is it's funny. <laughs> funny bit. And it, it's a good example of, of why, you know, selling us on why they're married. Um, you know, yeah. I feel like so many times we're like, why, Jill, are you staying with this guy? Um, but it, it, yeah, brings back the like the camaraderie of their marriage, uh, and it's just it's a, I don't know, it's fun to see. I wish we saw it more. Yeah, yeah. And um, we go to ben. our stinger. Yep, we uh, do. Where it's still Engine Week. Um, engine Week. Just to touch on a question we brought up recently, makes me feel like if they have a full week long special for something, that it is a five day a week show, or at least like Monday, Wednesday, Friday, something like that. Yeah. Um, or, or maybe it's Monday through Thursday, like late night shows are. And they, Does well, they Ellen did, do five days a week? Yeah, well, I mean, look, what, what I think a lot of late night, at least what David Letterman did was he would tape Monday through Thursday, but he'd do two shows on Thursday so he didn't have to work Friday. So maybe they do. Oh, is that maybe it? they do. Oh, I yeah. thought. I don't think the, the modern guys do Thursday, or Fridays at all. Maybe they don't. I just know that's what Letterman did because he wanted to have three day oh, weekends. Okay. So he just like I'll Perfect. do two on a Thursday, and then and then you've got that extra. Um, yeah, uh, but they're so it's still Engine Week, and they still have the Unzers uh, on the show. Tim has solved the problem of the the Al conundrum. I think it's called. Yes, I'm trying to think of a better. I'm glad you don't. I'm going to push ahead. I'm thinking. Uh, they, he introduces uh, them all. You keep they all three come uh, walking out. <laughs> They they all walk walk out wearing uh, sweatshirts uh, that say Little Al, Norm Al, and Big Al, yep. and uh, just to avoid any further confusion, he's also made up a shirt for Al that says Abnormal, and Al turns to him and's like, "I don't need your your no. stupid no. S- stupid shirt, no. you little man." No, he says uh, he I've says got one of my better. own. He says something better. What does he say? He says, what "I don't think say? so, Tim." Oh. I like my catchphrase better. I don't need your stupid, stupid shirt, you little man. Okay, yeah, I mean, that. yeah, I don't need your stupid shirt, you little, little man. The famous Al Borland catchphrase that gets a huge <laughs> applause line every time he says it. Um, but he unbuttons his own shirt, and he's wearing a t-shirt underneath that says, Special! And I think, I, uh, I think it's on our shoulders. We have to make this t-shirt. I, no, we absolutely do. We also have to make an entire gif of this moment of him pulling the shirt off <laughs> to would. thunderous applause and then, like, flexing and, like, posing yep. for the crowd. I would. I'm looking at it right now. Two reasons why it's not a gifable moment. One, there are credits over top of him, so um, that makes it hard to watch. The other thing is Tim is standing in the foreground partially obscuring him, so hmm. you can't quite see the full effect. It It's still – look – Landon, you've talked often about in the the cheer that went up from the crowd in Infinity War when uh, when <laughs> Captain America Captain wields America, the, yeah. the gauntlet or whatever. This for me, 
uh, the gauntlet. I don't know, man. I, I saw that movie like two years ago. There were a lot of different MacGuffins floating around. I don't know. When, <laughs> listen, when when Captain America picks up Baby Yoda and and uses it to slay <laughs> the final dragon and win the Game of Thrones. Um, but no, I I cheered. This was my uh, yeah. this was my Infinity War moment. Was it was just Al doing? <laughs> I don't think so, Tim. And then doing an Al name pun and yep. flexing on it. It's I was I was on the I was just cheering in my empty apartment. I was just going ballistic. <laughs> my na- my neighbors, I don't know what they thought I was doing, but I was just going, "Yes! Yes!" <laughs> a great ending to a great uh, episode. I'm not going to lie, that makes me happy. I'm I'm glad for that. I uh, I I'm glad it can make you happy from thousands of miles away. <laughs> uh and that wraps our episode uh that takes us to the <gasps> Grunt count, um, which I have a little discussion for this week. Okay. I think, here's my guess, I think it's one, but what it boils down to for me is your distinction in, in counting the grunts. So, for me, I think there is one small grunt before he goes, oh, yeah, um, oh. in regards to the Stan's Polish food. Uh, is that... A grunt or not i don't know so it's less about counting the grunts and more about this trying to determine what you would count as a grunt uh, yes as as with so many other people you are just trying to get into my head and figure out what the hell makes <laughs> me tick uh yes. and it's it's spite and 80s sitcoms congratulations we figured it out um <laughs> no, so i i watched that grunt well that uh, alleged grunt I watched him saying, oh, yeah, a couple times because I really wanted to count it as a grunt, both because we haven't done one in a while and because yeah. I w- just wanted to be able to show for the record that Tim grunted for the first time in several episodes because well, he was excited about getting farts sucked out of his asshole by a fan. But to be explicit about it, there's he says, oh, yeah, which I know we don't count. But the O oh is there's like a little preface to it, a little extension mm-hmm. before he says, oh, and I'm like. Is there a grunt in there? I couldn't quite tell. Uh, there, where he's no, like, oh, oh yeah. There's not a separate and attack, dude. It's gotta have it's the separate not. attack. Okay. I'm okay. I'm sorry. Okay. I I totally get what you mean, but under the rules that we have established and been going by which I still think are valid because if we don't have the separate attack rule, then it's like, oh, well, in the middle of What's talking, anything? he was growling so much that he <laughs> okay. grunted mid word. Yeah. I mean I yeah. Yep. I'm sorry. Okay, so he did Wrong. not grunt. There are zero grunts. Yeah, zero grunts. Once again. Okay. Wow. Holy shit. Uh, yeah, I know. I I promise. I I promise everyone who is not watching the episodes and just listening along. I I haven't just like been like fuck this shit. I don't want to count grunts anymore. <laughs> I genuinely want to do the thing the show is yes. named for. We just can't. Uh, speaking of fuck this shit, uh, I want to go into our post amble. This is gonna yes. be a little bit longer of an episode. Uh, I got one just kind of update that has to do with Richard Karn, which is. Uh, so beautiful. Yes. Um, and then one kind of serious thing I want to go into. So I'll start with the, the Richard Karn thing. Um, on a previous episode, it might've just been the last episode. I, we've been batch recording, so I've lost count (laughs) at this point, but, um, I had mentioned having an issue with birds. Uh, there are a lot of birds here. They fly up and perch on my windowsill where I podcast. They've been, uh, very territorial about my balcony, uh, it's become a problem. Like, I can't even walk out to water my plants without them dive-bombing my head. <laughs> and so I was like, well, we're a home improvement podcast. There are legit 
home improvement specialists that follow us on Twitter. I'm just going to put it out there and see if anyone has um, <laughs> has any suggestions. And so I put it on Twitter. Uh, does anyone know how to humanely get rid of territorial birds? And Richard Karn, of all people, um, retweeted this and said, uh, you should get a plastic owl and that should keep them away. <laughs> <laughs> and I've seen these plastic owls before. I think oh, yeah. everybody's kind of you know seen them at their local grocery you know department store or whatever. Um, their their local Sears. If you live in 1997, mm-hmm. <laughs> so I thought, well, I live right next to a Menards now. I'll go over there and see if they got one. Yeah, yeah. I go over I mean, there. They have I, ten of them. <laughs> you didn't. Now, did you buy all ten? I wanted to just because it looked uh, like who just to go out and say yes. I have an army of owls at my disposal. <laughs> <laughs> you you I have the guardians of Gahul living right outside. <laughs> Zack Snyder directs my life. It's all just so slow. Why yeah. is it so slow? I don't well, know. No, no. Sometimes it speeds up and then it gets slow again. <laughs> Fair point. Uh, but it's so gray. It's so dark. Um, so Richard Karn answers. My plea for a solution. I buy this plastic owl. I put it out on my balcony. Not even kidding. It, it immediately worked. Really? There, there are no more birds flying uh, in my balcony. It's um, and now I don't know if uh, this is just a tried and true solution, or if Richard Karn is a magical being from another planet. Um, I like to think the latter. In fact. So much so that I would say, if I were making a movie about him, I would call it Carnival Magic. Oh, <laughs> okay. But but that movie would be better than the real Carnival Magic. <laughs> uh, well, yes. Or if you're going to write a 70s classic rock song about him, you'd call it Carnival 9, right? <laughs> Evil Carnival. Uh, that's a, we're getting off the off. If the you were going to jump over but, something <laughs> on a motorcycle wearing a white cape. Yeah. The point of this would be uh, is that uh, I'm just okay. First of all, astonished that this whole thing worked and that it I don't have a bird problem anymore. But also that we watch a TV show week after week after week. We know the characters intimately. We speak to them every week. A literal person that we I'm looking at on my screen paused right now has solved a real world problem for me. <laughs> I, I mean, it's so surreal to me. <laughs> and I didn't initially catch this when, when like when I saw that play out on Twitter, I thought that you had specifically sought out Richard Karn and asked him that. But the fact that Richard Karn plucked your question from obscurity. Well, he did. He did. There, there was a moment when I, I had put this out to the world and then realized that Richard Karn was, um, a, uh, a home improvement person, you know, in real life, <laughs> in addition to being like a fictional in, home improvement person. In every um, sense of the word, he's a home improvement yes, person. Exactly. Uh, so I, and it was like the fifth tweet in a in a thread, and I just said, "Wait, does Richard Carn know how to solve this?" Um, and then he solved it for me. So yeah. what I'm saying is, how many, how many, all of the podcasts that are out there that are covering sitcoms to the nuance that we are. How many actors from your sitcom have solved a problem in your life? Hmm. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to. Th- I'm gonna. <laughs> like, what is I, someone on Instagram uh, commented on us, and he's like, uh, "I don't think Kelsey Grammer has ever solved <laughs> a issue for me." 
I'm trying to think. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> well, we did. I mean, we entered a we entered a contest run by the Cheers Bar in in yeah. uh, Boston, and they and won it. And one of the things that they sent us was an autographed picture of uh, George Went. Which we then put in a frame that we had. actually I took I took your framed headshot out of that frame and then well, put right, George yes. Went in it and we've got that so George Went signing an, a picture of himself did solve the problem of I have a bare space <laughs> on this shelf and don't know what to put up there. Yes. Well, I mean, but George Went didn't. You you didn't say, hey George Went, I have a bare space on this shelf and don't know what to put there. And George Went didn't go, I've got an idea. Let me sign this uh, photograph for you, and you could put that there. True. Okay. Yeah. But he would have it. I feel I'd like to think that he would have if I if I had. Oh, a, I'm sure he would have. Yes. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean. Okay. You know. You, you know. For all right, I'm, I'm just. On. I'm all I'm trying to point out is that Richard Carn like Al Borland, is the greatest human being on the face of the planet. And even though it's uh, maybe a little chuggy to say it, I think we are hashtag blessed. I, you know what? I think that, I think that having a, a front porch free of birds will make it easier for you to live, laugh, and love. And <laughs> yeah, and, look, and also, yeah, for, for every piece of criticism we've ever levied at home improvement, leveled at, leveled at home improvement, and for all the all the haters uh, and detractors out there who say that we don't like the show, let's just acknowledge no, no you know, none of the Emmy bait hoity-toity shows that uh, that I like. You know, <laughs> Fr- Frasier never fixed anything in my life. Home improvement is actually yeah. constructively helping me and the people that I care about. Honestly, I should I should has, start. Has Kelsey Grammer ever weighed in on what Chihuly piece you should put next to your fireplace? <sighs> Well, yeah, actually, yes, he did, but he made a, a recommendation that absolutely did not fit with the room at all, and that was that. You know, I, I I'm glad I didn't take his advice. Good, um, good. I should no, but I should start tweeting. Honestly, I should start tweeting at Richard Karn, not questions about how to fix up my apartment, but since he used to be an apartment maintenance guy, what what kind of shit should I be saying to my landlord to convince him that he should actually <laughs> show up and like fix the screen that is halfway hanging off of my window <laughs> right. instead of just telling me to duct tape it back in place. um okay uh since you also mentioned um the haters and and that say that we hate watch the show not that anyone is saying that yeah um i want to follow up on something uh that is kind of i don't know call this the third part of a trilogy (laughs) um which started with the uh the episode where i divulged why i had a negative reaction to friends um and i'm putting that mildly (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it was 20 minutes of a home improvement podcast dedicated to the TV show Friends, um, followed up by my negative reaction to last week's episode, uh, and an interaction we had on Twitter with a listener um, and patron, Laren, who sent me um, a reaction to, uh, the, to, to Friends. Now she said she took a grievance, and I think she, I think she she filed the grievance in good humor, um, s- saying that Friends is you know one of her favorite shows and and better than she likes it better than Home Improvement. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she sent me a video that was produced by this uh, place called The Take, which uh, kind of analyzed what Friends has put out into the world, the good mm-hmm. and the bad. And this The Take, this video, it's a twenty minute video. 
um, acknowledged the homophobia, you know, the toxic masculinity, the fat shaming, all of the stuff that I kind of brought up, uh, but also pointed out the good things that the show uh, did, which were, you know, uh, showing that women can be financially independent and enjoy their jobs, uh, that they can, you know, enjoy sex and showing um, same-sex uh, marriages long mm-hmm. before it was legal in the state. So a lot of good things that I glazed over. And what I want to say is, you know, I I had my experience with the show, and me then taking that and speaking to it in an echo chamber that is a podcast, <laughs> I, I think highlights the danger of why it can be the podcast sphere can be toxic in and of itself of having two white guys speak to issues beyond themselves on a show. I, uh, um, having having two white guys speaking to each other in and of itself <laughs> already, yeah. you know, be on the edge of your seat, right? Be ready for something bad yeah. to happen. So I, this is where it's like, I, th- where it, I think shows the danger of how that can be negative. If they, if, and I, I'm trying to take responsibility here and say that, I watched the show by myself on my couch, and then I took to the airwaves to speak to you about my experience without having anyone else in that equation to speak to it about. And so I didn't have anyone else to show me what I might have been missing or what another experience of this show or another show might have been. Um, and so I was really, really glad to have watched this video. Uh, while it, you know, doesn't take away from what I experienced and, you know, the negativity that I took from it, it also showed me things that I didn't initially see or, uh, you know, earmark as important to mention, which is the important thing, I think, uh, that I took away from it. Yeah. And I mean, I, I think that, I think another place that, you know, I... I you, you, it's one thing for you to watch a whole bunch of the show, develop an opinion about it, and then come to talk about it. I think the fact that you then, I mean, I guess you're trapped because I'm the only person you co-host a podcast with, but it's like me who <laughs> yeah. has watched one episode of Friends, didn't like it, and has generally been cultured by the snooty, hoity-toity TV opinions and people I talk to to not like Friends. I mean, I'm, I, you at least come by not liking Friends honestly because you've watched it. I haven't even... I haven't even watched the show enough to really form a reasonable opinion, so I'm not a good, you know, I was not a good interlocutor for you to talk to it about that. I, I wasn't going to bring well, right. out the best side of you. And that's kind of where I, you know, think that it's important to do our due diligence as a podcast that isn't just going to be your run-of-a-mill two white guys talking about, you know, X, Y, and Z, you know, uh, where it's like we have a very homogenized viewpoint. And this experience, you know, I would say watching this video and thinking about it, I think that's the important thing is like not just a single video uh, changed my mind, but it was the whole like Laren saying something. Yeah. Uh, it, again, not, not like slapping us on the hands. I didn't feel too sensitive about it. I'm, I'm glad she said something and then providing us another perspective to look at helped warm me to friends in a way that I wouldn't have had not someone shown that to me. Um, and so, you know, it just broke me out of the echo chamber a little bit. And so what I want to do, um, not in this episode, but I think what we we can start to do 
between now and the end of the season, which we are hurtling towards. I, since we started going weekly, I, I, like the fact that we are almost done with season six is shocking to me already. Well, it's it's, um, it's not even that we started going weekly. We Because we're trying to batch record a bunch ahead of my summer travel, we are going like tri-weekly well, now. I mean, I don't know where Home <laughs> yeah. Improvement ends and I began. A joke that I may well have made like t- 20 minutes ago the last time we recorded an episode. I don't even know anymore. Um, yes. So, uh... What I'd like to do for our season uh, spectacular, for season six, is I'd like to, between now and then, just start jotting down some ideas and and do a whole segment on the good and the bad that Home Improvement has shown us to this point. That's a very Um, good idea. And I I say this out loud because otherwise we could have just put it, you know, between you and me on a private conversation. I want to put this out to our listeners as well. Uh, to help expand our viewpoint as to what you see in the show that we might not be presenting week after week. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm very curious what other perspectives are on home improvement. I know we do this from time to time when <laughs> the very rare occurrence that we have a guest on here, we ask them their experience with home improvement and their you know experience watching it now. But mm-hmm. you listening week after week, what do you get out of home improvement? What do you think that they do a good job of showing? And you can either email us uh, at info at gruntworkpodcast.com or hit us up on Twitter um, at gruntworkpod and let us know your thoughts and I'll kind of group a bunch of them together and we'll we'll bring it up in our Super Spectacular this year. Yeah, I know. I think that would be because honestly, I mean, I feel like maybe it was this season, but this season, the timing of it is it seems like we started this season before the pandemic. I don't even know. But I I feel like this <laughs> yeah. season, certainly my attitudes toward the show have changed a bunch. Maybe it's Mine the too. last two seasons. But like, yeah, so I, I think that um, us having that discussion and also in, in corp, you know, bringing the audience uh, into it as well is, you know, mm-hmm. I, I think it'd be a good thing. I, I know that I should be coming in here with some kind of joke or lighthearted banter, but I honestly just think that's a really good <laughs> idea to assess now that we are, now that we're entering, let's be honest, the twilight of the series. I mean, we're staring down the yeah. last two seasons. Whew, um, man, that, that's that's another ball of anxiety I'm not quite ready to I, <laughs> to address. I mean, only, yeah, two, <laughs> let's just stick to this first. Two, two seasons left of Home Improvement. That means that there's only like probably 375 hours of podcasting left. <laughs> That's a conservative estimate. What will we ever do? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, okay. Uh, just to be clear and reiterate what I said, uh, send us what you think Home Improvement does well and what it does not do well in terms of depiction of whatever issues and characters uh, um, you can think of. We'd love to hear it. Uh, info at gruntworkpodcast.com or gruntworkpod on Twitter or Instagram if you want to hit us there. Love to hear what you uh, what you think. Um, is there anything we didn't cover in this episode that you wanted to, Truman? Uh, you know, I, wait, did we talk about your complicated and evolving feelings on the TV series Friends? <laughs> we, we covered that. Okay, then I think, then I think we're good, because I really did want to, I, I did want to get you on the record about that, because I actually love yes. Friends, it's my favorite show. And I want to thank Laren, uh, for, for saying something and showing yes. us, uh, showing us that video. It was really, Honestly, it was a kind of a transformative experience for me, so uh, I really, really appreciate that. I, I, um, wa- I want to thank Laren, too. Thank you for speaking truth to podcasters. We ju- we say so much <laughs> shit on this show, and a good percentage of it is pretty stupid. So if ever we say stupid shit that you take issue with, do not hesitate to contact us about it. We're yeah. chill dudes. We may be two and, white and my, dudes with opinions, but we are chill white dudes with opinions who will and, admit that we're wrong. Just to touch on it, just, uh, just for one quick 
comment is uh, my reaction to last week's episode. I realized it hit a personal nerve, and I, I came at it a little harder than I should have. Um, and, you know, there's a certain, like, warts and all approach that I take to some of these episodes that, like, okay, maybe I need to put my big boy pants on and, and professional podcast. Um, Th- those are pants, uh, too. So professional I, podcast pants. <laughs> I recognize I need to uh, maybe do that. Um, so I, I hate bringing that negativity to things. But, you know, I tried to be honest about my reaction to it, and it wasn't a good one um, for personal reasons. So I, there we go. Yeah. Um, okay, can we just end every episode with like half an hour of apologies and retractions? Yes. I think that that's really that's what <laughs> that's what that's what this, is going to get us above Joe Rogan in the that, rankings. I think it's he's not apologizing <laughs> enough. That is that's going to be what our next podcast is all about is just grunt work apologies. Yeah, we just go through. We, is that why you're going back and listening to every episode? Yep. You're finding all the things that we need to every, apologize for. Keeping a very robust list. Oh, um, boy. Okay, uh, grunt work is made possible by our patrons, just like Laren. If you enjoyed today's episode and want to help us create this show, consider becoming an official Grunthead sponsor over at patreon.com slash gruntworkpod. Leave us a rating review over at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcast because it's the fastest, easiest way to support us, and it goes a long way to help others find the show. Stop by to say hi to us over at Twitter or Instagram at gruntworkpod or visit our website at www.gruntworkpodcast.com where you can also see other information on today's episode and sign up for our weekly newsletter to be notified whenever a new episode is released. Until next time, when we bring you another episode of Home Improvement, I have been Landon Solano. I've been Truman Caps. And remember, if you have been injured in a car accident, motorcycle accident, golf cart accident, or trailer park hepatitis outbreak, the law firm of Caps, Solano, and Taylor can help you get the cash settlement you deserve. Oh, wow. Call 1-888-OUTRO-JOKE today for your free consultation. Uh-huh.